Genia will tangibly disrupt the industry in next five years. AI won't take your job. People that know AI will take your job. Hello and welcome to Insight Story, tech trends unpacked for business leaders. The podcast that gives you the insight you need to make the right decisions about how to use tech to benefit your organization. Brought to you by Kaspersky, the cybersecurity specialists. This time we're asking, what can generative AI do for your business? Now, I've heard generative AI, or Gen AI for short, described as a corporate digital Swiss army knife, mixing data and algorithms to create everything from eye-catching visuals to a plan for optimising your supply chain. But how do you make the best use of this technology? Will you get left behind if you don't start right now? What industries are using it? And this is the big one. How are workforces dealing with the technology that seems to be able to do their jobs better than they can? In a moment, I'll be talking to Shagun Sachdeva, an expert in the most up-to-date thinking on the use of Gen AI in business, and Karen Quinn, a top comms practitioner who has just rolled out an in-house Gen AI project to 8,000 fintech employees. Together, we'll set out to answer those questions and more. But first, let's make sure we know what we're talking about. And to do that, I have help. I am Dolly, your insight assistant. Dolly, very nice to talk to you again. Hello, Susie. Good to see you. So in case people have missed it, can you give us the Generative AI 101? Of course. Gen AI tools identify patterns and structures within existing data to generate new and original content. This includes audio, computer code, images, text, 3D models, and videos. You can start by giving a prompt. You mean like, tell me about Gen AI 101? Exactly. Great. So how does it work? Gen AI is a form of machine learning powered by neural networks. Those are artificial networks that work through nodes like the human brain. Gen AI models analyze patterns in large sets of data and then use this to create new outputs. It could analyze pictures of cats, then use what it learns to create a new picture of a cat that doesn't exist. Wow, maybe we'll get to see Schrodinger's cat. So how does it create something realistic? Generative Adversarial Networks, or GANs, train generative models using a generator and a discriminator. The generator creates content, while the discriminator tries to tell if it's real or fake. They compete, improving the generator's ability to produce convincing content. You're convincing me so far. And what are companies using Gen AI for? In entertainment, it's used to create special effects, animations, and video game environments. In design, it can generate artwork and product prototypes. For marketing, it can write articles, create personalized ads, and talk to customers using chatbots. In healthcare, it can generate synthetic medical images. In manufacturing, it can help run supply chains or create warehouse systems. That's a lot. What are the Gen AI tools to look out for? The most famous is ChatGPT, which stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Over 1 million people signed up to use it in five days. There's also GitHub Copilot, Synthesia, Bard, GPT-4, Dolly 2. Oh, Dolly! Any relation? No. Well, possibly a distant cousin, but I am not here to discuss my family. Oh, I understand. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. If that's all, goodbye. I've gone. They get quite touchy if I ask too many personal questions. It's a good job I have some guests with me who are more than willing to give me some answers. 
Here to help us explore the exciting and sometimes challenging world of generative AI are Shagun Sachdeva. She's project manager, disruptive tech at Global Data PLC, a business intelligence service that provides information to industry on a broad range of tech topics, including, of course, Gen AI. Hello. Hi, Susie. I'm Karen Quinn, who is Senior Director, Brand and Corporate Communications at financial software company Finastra. She recently helped oversee the launch of their in-house Gen AI project called Gen AI X to their 8,000 employees. Hello, Karen. Hi, Susie. Thank you for having me. So, Shagun, Global Data recently did a webinar on Gen AI called, I think very sensibly, Decoding Generative AI Beyond the Hype. And there is a lot of hype, isn't there, around this topic? Like, how does Gen AI stack up when it comes to the impact on business and, and how much notice they're taking of it? Or how much notice should they be taking of it? So, Gen AI game started changing from 2020. And today, 2023 has become the breakout year. So, we recently ran a survey to capture the sentiments of businesses around Gen AI. And you will not be surprised to know that more than 50% expect that Gen AI will tangibly disrupt their industry in the next five years. About 30% of the businesses are already using Gen AI tools and more than 70% have some understanding of Gen AI. So we're seeing already that it's not just a futuristic trend, it's actually being used right here, right now for different business types. Yes, in the last six to seven months, business leaders are having much more sophisticated conversations that how Gen AI can go from just experiment to sustainable business engine with strong ROIs. They are trying to manage risk, its implications on people and balance between near-term gains and long-term foundations. And apart from social media conversation, if we dig one layer deeper and look at the other data sets, we see that jobs have almost grown six times. Patent filings have grown five times. Venture capital deals have almost grown four times. And company filings showed almost three times growth in the last three years. So clearly, there's a meaningful narrative that there is tangible reality behind this game-changing technology. So it's actually not just the fears that AI is taking our jobs. So we're actually seeing a lot of high tech job creation and opportunity for investment, which means that business investment will follow that. Right. Before we get too much into the detail of how and why, let's turn to Karen. So Karen, tell us a bit more about what Finastra does and what was your motivation behind rolling out the Gen AIX project? Finastra provides software applications and marketplaces to the financial services industry, so to around 8,100 banks globally. And we are looking at Gen AI very much as human creativity from that angle. These types of tools give us that space to actually reflect, to think, to imagine and to keep creating rather than just do, do, do. So we're rolling it out across the organisation, which is over 8,000 employees around the world, to help them with their days, essentially, and to make their jobs more rewarding. So what kind of things is it helping people to do better or quicker or even a higher standard? I'm absolutely fine with using it for fairly pedestrian use cases at the moment, not just content generation, but things like contracts, you know, understanding and reviewing multiple sources of information that you have internally to predict behaviours and to, you know, to optimise particular workflows and things like that. You know, coming up with campaign plans, for example, it can, you know, now that we've put the tools into place that we are confident are very secure and compliant, we can allow it to look through our SharePoint files, it can look through websites, it can look through emails, and it can generate tone of voice documents, for example. So have you actually created what you call an internal language model that uses your own data? 
So it's drawing from what you've already done as opposed to, to drawing things out in the internet. Actually, we took a very prudent approach. At the beginning of this project, there was a Steerco pool together, which you know incorporated the engineering teams, the enterprise tool teams, the legal and compliance teams, the business transformation, the people, you know, it's a big thing, so that everybody understands what we're trying to do with this. And you know, as part of that exercise, then it was about rigorously testing the products that we felt we could use safely internally and then as soon as we'd done that and launched a full-scale generative AI training program to our organization we disabled access to other tools so I think from a company perspective we need to be ultra careful and make sure that those tools that we were using meant that we could freely use information and they're still going through the testing process through various kind of trialist panels and things like that just to make sure there's no sensitive data being shared with the wrong audiences internally for example or personal information. It's really interesting because when we think about generative AI and we see the news headlines it's all very exciting and futuristic as Shigu was saying but actually a lot of it it's about getting the processes and the policies right and the training so people aren't going rogue and wild but it's actually being done in quite a controlled way exactly particularly in in brand and comms because you know there is issues of copyright there's issues of ip you know who owns this who's generated this what what images for example if you're using a a text-to-image prompt where is it drawing that data from so we need to be very very careful if that means that we have to wait until some of the bigger organisations we work with, like Shutterstock or Adobe, have to wait until they have their commercial licensing in place for images that have been created through Gen AI, then so be it. Absolutely. And one of the things that's important for businesses to know, isn't it, that um, some of the legal rulings coming out in different countries are saying that if you generate a piece of content out of generative AI, you don't own the copyright. I think in March 2023, I was reading Italy's data watchdog decided that OpenAI doesn't have the legal right to use people's personal information in ChatGPT. So for now, ChatGPT has returned to Italy. However, the business model for systems like ChatGPT would be in trouble. Companies need to be mindful and very cautious about the implications GenAI has. That's great. So Shagun, give us a bit of an overview of the way you've seen businesses using generative AI. There's lots of different use cases. It's not just creative, is it? Uh, Are there other aspects of the supply chain and production and data analysis that that you've seen businesses using? There's not just one sector which is leading GenAI game. Uh, you know, some some may be behind, so, come, uh, you know, sector like retail sector, it is very nascent. But then it is trying its best. The companies like Levi's, companies like, you know, Elizabeth Arden, they are using GenAI models. So there's no one sector which is leading this game. If we look at the sentiments on social media platforms, so we see a lot of business leaders, they are viewing generative AI as an immediate driver to boost productivity. So this is happening on one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, what we see is the employees, they are having this gen AI or AI anxiety and they're really worried that whether AI is going to take away their jobs. So, you know, when I was reading a report that came out in March by Goldman Sachs, they said that AI could replace somewhere around 300 million full-time jobs. So some anxiety must be justified. But, you know, employees need to focus on what they have in control. The key here is education and training. You know, start with courses like prompt engineering that is uh, trending these days. At the same time, you know, companies need to be encouraging about calibrating AI adoption with human supervision. So whether the companies or the employees, if they don't adapt to the changes, if they don't step out of the comfort zone, they will be at serious disadvantage. 
Absolutely. And so, Karen, you're responsible for the internal and external comms of the program. How have you reassured uh, your st- your wider stakeholders and, and uh, aligned some of their fears they may have around their own jobs? I think it's ultra important to clarify your aims at the beginning of a program like this, because this is not a one off standalone project, right? This is going to carry on for many, many years. The human factor is involved. So there's an educational part as well, which is why we rolled out this training program. So base level training. So everybody feels comfortable using the tools. They understand what they are, what they can do. We'll have lots of like gamification of, you know, come up with the best this or use it for this just to help people use the tools within a framework. Because I think if you just say to people, okay, we're using Gen AI now. There's nothing clear. There's no no understanding of what this means for me as a person. Essentially, I think our organisation sees this as a life skill as opposed to a finastra skill or as opposed to a developer skill or as opposed to, you know, a comm skill. So we've always had those headlines that AI and all robots are going to take my job. And I read a fascinating quote in a Gen AI book and it said that AI won't take your job people that know AI will take your job (laughs) and whether you agree with that or not I think it's again goes back to those life skills right the message is that we are upskilling this is not an efficiency play obviously people are going to become more productive but you know hopefully that means that it's more rewarding at the same time as well we talked about a lot of the positives but Shagun what advice would you give to businesses to think about some of the risks um, that they need to plan for if they're going to invest in generative AI they need to be mindful about the challenges associated with GenAI. So one is hallucination and misinformation. That is the biggest risk associated with GenAI. So GenAI can fabricate facts. Hallucination is nothing but a disturbing behavior in your large language models. So that is one. Second is copyright issues. There have been a lot of disputes that have arisen between the artists and the AI companies over the value of human creativity. And then comes data privacy and security. So we have been talking about LLMs, that is large language models. So they are trained on vast watches of internet data. And there is no data protection by design or by default, which is embedded into these systems. So since I was talking about this case in March 2023, where Italy had banned OpenAI and, you know, it had said that OpenAI doesn't have the legal right to use people's uh, personal information. Then comes the cost, the environmental cost involved, you know, the power needed to train these LLM models, it could have detrimental impact on the environment. So not just the environmental damage, but also the ethical challenges involved here. LLMs could fail to include the voices of women, older people or the marginalized groups. Then comes the financial cost, the cost to develop and maintain these LLMs can be extremely high. So I think the key takeaway here is that companies need to balance this optimism around GenAI with the realism. And do you think some of the challenges can be met with external consultancies or is it a question of working with partners? So Karen mentioned, for example, if you work with an image library like Adobe or Getty, that you need to have the assurances at their end that the the technology and and the data training set is valid. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we have witnessed significant increase in mergers and acquisitions. So nothing is possible without collaborations. Companies need to collaborate to uh, get ahead in Gen AI game. So actually, the legal frameworks and some of the policies are going to play quite a crucial role for what businesses should be doing and what they might be made to do, I guess, by their governments. 
And in the Insight Story series, we always like to conclude our interviews with a final thought for our business leaders who may not be using this technology at all or at the very, very first stages of their journey. So what would you like to share with someone who's just starting out on this journey? What would you be your one piece of golden nugget information you'd like to share? Let's turn to you first, Karen. So I'd say don't run, walk, you know, just check your surroundings, but make sure that you're in a familiar environment, that you're fully compliant and safe before you start running off too fast. Just take a very measured approach. Be mindful if you're rolling this out at an enterprise level that not everyone will be at the same level of excitement as you perhaps people might need encouragement in different ways people may need to hear that message more often that this is about upskilling as opposed to anything other other than that Uh, and that ultimately this is a really beneficial life tool and you're doing that at a very you know you've got your normal comms cadence of, of keeping people updated bringing them on making it making it fun making it a learning journey but ultimately making it safe Right, so a slow learning-based journey. And Shagun, what insight would you like to share? Global data estimated that AI market will be worth somewhere around 900 billion by 2030. And GenAI will transform all aspects of our lives, whether it's education, entertainment, healthcare, banking, financial services, to retail, manufacturing and transport, every aspect. I would say, you know, this period is purely make or break period for all the industry leaders across sectors is really pushing them to either adopt this transformative innovations or they can just risk relinquishing control to major tech companies. At the same time, we also need to understand that JNAI is no magic bullet that will automatically solve all the industrial problems. While all this enthusiasm or optimism, what we are talking today around Genia is justified. But I think exercising prudence is imperative. So it has to be a responsible innovation. A very big thank you to our guests, Shagun Sachdeva from Global Data and Karen Quinn from Fenastra for their incredible insights into Gen AI and how it's being used. And if you're enjoying these kinds of insights, you can read more about the topics we cover in Secure Futures, Kaspersky's digital magazine about innovative tech for innovative leaders. We've got stories about regulating ChatGPT, how AI is fighting disinformation trolls, and articles from last season's Insight story, including how to use AI for customer loyalty. You can find the link to Secure Futures in the Insight story show notes. We know that generative AI is an incredibly exciting tech development, but of course it has huge security implications. So to give us some insight into how to make the most of this technology while keeping it secure, I'm joined by Dr. Armin Hasbini, Head of Research Centre Middle East, Turkey and Africa for Kaspersky's global research and analysis team known as GREAT. So Amin, what are the key points that businesses should be thinking about in this area if they're starting to adopt Gen AI tools for coding or content creation? Do we have any idea how many businesses are using these tools already? As per a 2023 uh, Kaspersky study, we have found that uh, 57% of workers in organizations are using generative AI to save time in their office and their jobs. And it's not only for employees, it's also for criminals. When we talk about cybersecurity, criminals are using more automation than ever. And we believe that AI is part of that as well. When we just compare the numbers of attacks using fraudulent websites, the numbers of detections have doubled uh, as per our visibility between 2022 and the year before. 
the numbers have reached 500 million attacks over 2022. And this brings in a lot of questions around the amount of data that is being leaked to these AI systems. Like, what kind of data is the employee in, in the organization putting there? Is, is he putting some intellectual property? Is he putting some code, some documents maybe to summarize? And that's a, a major concern, of course, for organizations uh, uh, everywhere around the world. The future of AI is undoubtedly exciting. However, it requires responsible development, ethical considerations. Organizations need to have control over their own data as well. Definitely uh, collaboration between researchers, policymakers, and industry leaders will allow us to uh, harness the full potential of such kinds of technologies. What about looking at the enterprise level? Um, are there particular types of products or solutions that businesses should be thinking about if they're going more wholesale into generative AI? Well, it goes back to uh, basics of monitoring uh, data, services, intellectual property, and protecting that from uh, data leaks. However, in this case, it's not a criminal that is hacking inside the organization. It's the sadly the employee which is voluntarily putting such data on these online platforms? Well, it's, it all starts with awareness. And um, uh, everyone needs to be aware that our organization has boundaries. When the employee is putting data on uh, these AI websites, he is putting them outside the boundaries of uh, the organization where the systems are not compliant with laws and regulations. So it comes back to that great cybersecurity, what we call cyber hygiene training, um, making sure everybody's got guardrails, I guess, and there's policies in place to, to be able to protect the company data. Yes, yes. It comes back to enterprise cybersecurity solutions that allow the right monitoring and control of devices, systems and data, wherever they are uh, in, inside the organization. Thank you very much to Amin. And as he says, fraud and cybercrime are on the rise and generative AI could be helping cybercriminals to scale up. According to Kaspersky's spam and phishing report in 2022, Kaspersky software blocked half a billion attempts to access fraudulent websites. That was double the previous year. The scale is staggering. Get the full analysis on securelist.com. It's a research journal with lots of excellent free reports on topics like advanced persistent threats and threat predictions for the year ahead. See the link in the show notes. So that's it for this edition of Insight Story Tech Trends Unpacked, brought to you by Kaspersky. Search for us wherever you get your podcasts and click follow so you don't miss an episode. You'll also find our first series where we cover topics from smart energy to blockchain to working out what digital trust really is. Plus, if you're liking what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and give us a review. It really helps people find us and get the benefits of all this useful insight. If you want to get ahead, you really can't afford to miss it. Till next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, Dolly, thank you for coming back to help us this series. It's a pleasure. Now, this cousin of yours, do you see them often? Or do they live far away? Maybe in some faraway part?